the CGG Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to the latest episode of the CJ Tour podcast. As always here, I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander. Today I'm joined by the Jake Carlson and, of course, Marshall Scott from Pistols Firing. Marshall, how's it going? It's going well. It's been a crazy few days, but uh, I guess that's what you get in the business for. Exactly, yeah. Well, Hi. we've got some – now Jake and I got some questions about Oklahoma State football, probably a little basketball here as well, too. We could talk spring sports, but I don't even know if we'll have enough time for that just because we got to talk to you about a transfer portal, Gundy quotes, bowl game coming up, guaranteed rate bowl, which uh, it's a lovely 8 o'clock central time kickoff. So can't be wait to be watching that from uh, Oklahoma City there over Christmas kind of break. But I don't know with all being said here, Jake, what's your first question for Marshall, at least here? Well, um, I was going to ask you why you were busy, but it was obviously a joke. Um, you know, got a, got a lot of stuff to do and all that fun stuff. Um, have you been holding up okay? All things covered? Yeah, it's uh, Monday was, I don't know why I wasn't prepared for Monday. <laughs> it was like the first, it, this is kind of like the first time that it's been sectioned off like this, where like, hey, the portal's opening this day, because it's kind of just been free rent yeah. before then. So I, I, we, we, at least at our site, didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into. Um, until the news kind of started flowing out Monday. But but our head coach said that the portal was going to go down this year. Yeah, I think uh, that's a good question. But I, I think that <laughs> I, I think he's thinking uh, in the future. That obviously uh, has not happened this year. But I think he's hoping that I, I think there's some rule that's either going to pass or he thinks is going to pass um, to where if a, if you take a kid out of the portal, um, even if he transfers right after that, you're still responsible for his scholarship. So I think that's what he's um, somewhat banking on um, in the future to kind of help slow this thing down a little bit. Because it is, it, for, to his credit, this thing is out of control. Um, I, I don't yeah. think that this is how it was intended at all. But yeah, it has definitely not uh, slowed down uh, this year as he might have predicted earlier on in the year. Yeah, I mean, Calvin and I have, we've kind of hit on it. Like we've talked about it, obviously, off air a little bit. Um, we, we've to kind of get the ball roll and be as blunt as possible. We aren't as concerned about some of the guys leaving as maybe some of the other people um, across, you know, social media platforms and stuff like that. Um, I actually said probably, was it three weeks ago, Calvin, that I said it wouldn't surprise me if Spencer transferred and it wouldn't surprise me if Mason Cobb did as well. I don't remember the Cobb one, but I, I do remember the, the, the Spencer Spencer comment for sure. I mean, the, Marshall, I'm not sure if you agree or not, but like, I spent six years at Oklahoma State, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in comparative information. After the fourth year, I was kind of like, all right, a little bit. What am I doing here? <laughs> you know, like a little bit. Like, all right, like I gotta keep leveling up. There's only so many levels you can do as like an you know undergrad or whatever. So yeah, I got to kind of add on that degree, right, or whatever. I'm making fun of myself here, but the point being is that Spencer Sanders, right? I'm not killing him over leaving. Like I understand the, you know, I mean, I, you seek the best opportunity possible. My personal opinion, he's not an NFL guy this year. Uh, that would be drafted in the top four rounds, which is what I would, you know, say, Hey, that probably makes sense to do one more year of college at that point. 
and try a new offensive system, especially if it's possible. So with Sanders, I totally get. What uh, of the other guys besides Sanders, which which one kind of shocked you the most that decided to enter the transfer portal? Yeah, and, and I, I assume it'd be Cobb, but I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm kind of with you guys in that it looks bad just because of the sheer number of guys going in right now. But as you guys have kind of mentioned, it, the the writing's kind of been on the wall for Spencer. It seems like, you know, right. it, it seemed like middle middle through the year, like he was either going to go pro or he wasn't going to come back to Oklahoma State. However, you know that that came to be. So the the writing kind of seemed on the wall. So it wasn't a total surprise. Obviously, still sucks. The team is better next year with Spencer Sanders on it. Um, but I think right. the fan base had kind of been okay with that. Um, Cobb, I, I'd kind of been tipped off about Cobb, but that was obviously, that's a pretty big blow. He's your leading tackler. Um, how do you kind of fill in the middle of that defense? They, they went out and got that Tulsa kid today, Justin Wright, who, um, led Tulsa and tackles this past season. Um, but then I, I think the one that kind of hurts the most is Braylon Presley. Um, obviously we don't know what Braylon Presley is going to turn into at the college level. Um, he was an electric high school player. Um, he's an in-state kid. He's Brennan's younger brother. Um, and then on top of that, the quotes that, that he gave to the Tulsa world on, on, on why he was headed out. Um, you know, saying he didn't like how the running backs were used. He didn't, he was told that he was going to get put in the backfield some and he never did. Um, so I think that one kind of hurt the most. A, it was surprising because he's Brandon's brother, because he's an Oklahoma kid. Um, but then also kind of the way that that bridge kind of seemingly got nuked. Um, I, I think that one hurt a little <laughs> bit. But aside from, you know, you know, Trace Ford could stink. Um, not him stinking, but like the, the fact that he could leave could stink. Because <laughs> if, if he could stay healthy, Trace Ford is, a difference maker on any team. Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to you know, deny that. Um, Dominic Richardson, you could kind of see Ollie Gordon maybe slowly kind of taking that spot from him. So I don't think that was a major uh, shock. So Even long Nixon. As Ollie... Nixon yeah. too. Nixon was great this year, I thought, in, in spurts as well. So Yeah, so so long as you don't lose either of those two, then that, you know, Dominic moving on kind of makes sense. So I'm kind of with you guys in that, it's it's not as bad as it seems. Is it still you know less than ideal to have this many scholarship guys jumping into the portal? Yes, um, and you obviously need to replace those guys just for sheer number of bodies. Like, how are they going to practice for this bowl game? I have no idea. Um, yeah. But but overall, I think that um, you know the sun will come out tomorrow, and, and this will all somewhat blow over eventually. Yeah, we Calvin and I kind of talked about the whole you know, Spencer Sanders thing, like, like you said, we are better with him than we are without him, especially if you're just looking like taking what our depth chart is at face value. I mean, Spencer Sanders is objectively better than Garrett Rangel and Gunnar Gundy. We know this. Now things could change if we get somebody else. I think we're all kind of in agreement there. Cause like, you know, Hudson cards out there, I'm not saying we would get him, but Hudson cards out there, you know, there's, there's a multitude of guys. I brought up to Calvin, I think on a podcast a couple of weeks ago that like the starting quarterback at Wazoo is from incarnate word, you know? So like there are guys you can go out and get and go seven and five, eight and four, if you want to, which is what we were this year. So the, the Spencer one stinks, but you know, I did my four years in Stillwater and I was kind of ready to go at the end too. Yeah, so it, I don't, I don't really blame him, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And, and I kind of think that, OSU in this transfer portal era, OSU is kind of like the perfect spot for one of those five-star kids that jumps to a, a major program and then finds out, oh, I'm actually behind this kid who's only a sophomore or whatever. I'm going to jump in the portal. I feel like OSU is like that perfect bounce-back spot yeah. for like a Quinn Ewers. Um, I think that DJ Uyunglele would be awesome. Um, I know some people are kind of already out on him just based on how his time at Clemson has kind of went. But I'm like, hey, that would be kind of sick to see him at Oklahoma State, a guy of that you know who, who's thought of that highly. Um, but at the same time, Mike has always talked – extensively 
about, you know, developing quarterbacks in-house um, and how he just thinks that's kind of the best way to do things. So I, I think those two um, kind of I, philosophies, ideologies are going to come to a head this year. I think, you know, are they going to go out and get a quarterback or are they going to say, hey, we're good with Garrett, we're good with Gunner, we're good with Zane Flores, who they're bringing in from Nebraska. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of interested to see how they play, um, how that kind of plays out. Yeah, and, you know, the quarterback position, like, as everybody knows, that's kind of the the the, the spoon that stirs the drink. You know, that that's that's what you, you kind of have to hang your hat on sometimes. But I, I think we can agree that Rangel is not that same four-star quarterback that Rudolph or even Spencer Sanders was when they came in as freshmen. I mean, both of them, I don't want to say lit the world on fire, but you're definitely like, okay, he's going to start for the next four years and we're fine. I don't necessarily know if we have that same thing with Rangel in comparison just to the previous two since they both started when they were freshmen. Um, so the the DJ thing is interesting. My mom went to Clemson, so I kind of watched them a little bit. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know that I'll have to I'll have to let that one simmer a little bit and see see how I feel about that. Um, how there's so many like prongs to these questions with the transfer portal. Like, do you, do you foresee us getting a quarterback or no? Just based on what you know, do you do you actually foresee us going out and getting somebody, or do you say let Rangel run with the young kids and in two years, we're good. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I personally think that if I was my Gundy, which I'm not, thank God, but I, I think <laughs> that I would go out and get one. I just think it's kind of irresponsible, um, unless you know they obviously watch Garrett practice all day. Um, they're gonna, you know, he's got two starts under his belt. They're gonna probably get a third out in Arizona to kind of see what they have with him. I know that they're really high on Zane Flores, this kid in Nebraska that they're bringing in. Um, it's kind of got a Trevor Lawrence look to him. Looks sweet. He's gonna have the the golden locks flowing out of the helmet. So well, he was an elite eleven kid too, right? Yeah, he made he made the finals. Um, oh, I don't wow. I don't know okay. where he placed and things like that, but but I know that they're pretty high on him. But Mike doesn't have a strong track record at starting freshman quarterbacks, just kind of in general. Um, so I don't know that he's going to want to go ahead and do that for a kid who's only. I, I imagine he'll sign early and, and be on campus next semester. But um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do honestly, because like I said, Mike has talked all the time about. You know, the best way to to have good quarterback play is to develop it in-house. Um, you know, he's got – he doesn't want to necessarily take away reps from, you know, developing guys like Garrett, like St. Flores, like Gunnar Gundy, because um, if he brings in a transfer junior, then, then some of those reps are going to get cut for those other guys. So he's talked a lot about that this year. Um, so I guess we'll just kind of find out if he – how much he really meant that. Um, but it obviously puts you in a tough spot if you just say, hey, we're hitching this wagon to the, the Garrett Rangel train. Um, and we'll kind of see how it plays out, just not knowing a whole lot about him at the, the collegiate level at this point. Yeah, and I guess in that case, you'd probably rather just get one of those grad transfer guys opposed to someone who, like a Hudson card, for example, that's just the first name that has multiple years of eligibility and is probably going to see that out. You'd rather just get a guy that maybe has one year, maybe mentor Ringo a little bit and kind of uh, basically like a Spencer Sanders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If we can just get this guy that's... You know, in his sixth year, um, looking to go to the NFL, uh, maybe a running quarterback as well. Maybe where's number three, um, then then maybe they could get a guy like that. In. <laughs> well, for for the position players that we have, right? Like, 
the question I more have on Braylon, you talked about, hey, it's, it's a shock. What he said to the Tulsa world like doesn't paint the coaching staff in the best light. Um, I, I wasn't shocked to see a guy like that transfer. I'm shocked to see a guy who has a brother in the program, shocked to see a guy who's a true, who's a true freshman who saw a couple of snaps, right? Like I'm not saying he played a ton, but saw a couple of snaps as a true freshman transfer. But the, the quotes he gave of like, he wasn't seeing a lot of use in the backfields, you know, or he thought he said it'd be used differently than a lot of stuff. Does, does that kind of make sense with any of the Oklahoma state coaching philosophies of old though to you? Cause you're, I mean, you've been following the team now since, yeah, I mean, almost 10 years, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, plus, but for me, at least from outside perspective, if I'm a true freshman coming in, my brother is the same size, same kind of skill ish as me, right? Like if there's anyone compared from the roster, it's his brother who is a year older than him, but looks and plays almost the exact same way. I'm not going to think that I'm going to get a ton of snaps or a ton of play time my freshman year. Now, Ollie Gordon getting that, does kind of make me kind of have to be a little bit of a hypocrite here because Ollie Gordon's a true freshman who did get a ton of that option, especially in the last game of the season. So I'm understanding there's a little bit of hypocrisy I'm saying here. But from your understanding of the Oklahoma State coaching staff, why Braylon having these expectations and then telling the Tulsa world, like, I don't think these guys were used right, I don't think I was used right, or didn't see them on playing time, does that line up with what you've just kind of known for Oklahoma State to do before? Because it it doesn't necessarily to me. Yeah, so it kind of comes down to what they told him in recruiting. Um, and, and it kind of seemed like the way that he gave those quotes is that he got told, because he played, Brennan played receiver his whole time at Bixby. Uh, Braylon actually played running back. So Braylon was kind of this weird tweener where, you know, his size obviously makes him, he's probably going to get used in the slot more in college than he would in the backfield. But if they told him, hey, we're going to use you some in the backfield, we're going to use you some in the slot. Um, and then obviously he sees the way the run game goes this year and they don't, they're not even putting him in the backfield at all then I can see where that kind of disconnect happens. Um, but, yeah, it, it kind of just comes down to what they told him in recruiting. Um, and and if, if they ended up lying to him in recruiting, that's not the first coaching staff to lie to a kid in recruiting about playing time or, or anything like that. So, uh, you know, I just think it comes down to the, the kid wanted to play. Um, and it's, you know, winning could cover up a lot of um, a multitude of those kind of warts. In that, like, yeah. if, if he didn't get to play and they were winning, and then it's like, eh, I kind of see what's going on here. Uh, but if he, you know, he, they weren't winning down the stretch and the running game was an issue and they said, hey, you can get be used in the backfield and he's not getting used in the backfield. And he's like, well, then I might as well transfer somewhere else where I can at least play or at least win. Um, so I, I don't know. I, th- I think it really comes down to, you know, those closed doors conversations that he probably had with, with Casey Dunn, with Mike Gundy, with whoever, um, and, and kind of how those went. Yeah, Calvin and I also, like, you know, talked about this extensively last night, where you can kind of assume who the person recruiting him was, right? We can probably all assume that it was Casey Dunn recruiting him, especially since, you know, Brennan's brother is dating Casey Dunn's daughter, and I'm sure they already have a pretty decent relationship, as the broadcast likes to point out every time you watch it. So, you know, you can already assume that Casey Dunn and the Presleys in some capacity have a decent enough relationship. So Casey is probably the person that told um, Braylon that he was going to be able to play running back. And, you know, Calvin brought up the point to me yesterday. He's like, Jake, where on this team was he going to be playing running back? The three guys ahead of him are just better at running back, especially when you don't really have a very good line, which we didn't. So. 
how, how much kind of, I guess, I mean, I know it's more of a broad question. Casey Dunn's taking the brunt for a lot of things that are happening right now. And I don't really want, I don't want to necessarily put you on a spot for this, but like, how do you, do you actually think a lot of it's attributed to him? Or do you think it's more of like a, you know, player personnel, Gundy, just down to the whole staff type deal? Yeah. So as far as, I don't know that the goal was to ever put Braylon solely at running back, which I think, you know, you just look at the, they brought in two four-star running backs in that class alone. Um, and CJ Brown, who's now not on the team and Ollie Gordon. But I, I think that it was probably assumed that he would get some sort of workload, maybe that be in motion or, or you know, he's going to get moved back there from time to time. Um, as far as the offensive struggles go, I, I think it's somewhat of a systemic issue. Obviously, you know, Casey Dunn doesn't coach the offensive line, which was very bad this year. It, it just is what it is. Um, they couldn't run the ball. They couldn't really move the ball without Spencer Sanders in the game, you know, pulling off some superhero play. Uh, so I, I, Casey Dunn is taking it on the shins. And that's going to happen at a school like Oklahoma State that's used to having such high-powered offenses. And I believe in the last five games they averaged like 14 points a game. Um, that's just that's not that's not acceptable at Oklahoma State. So I don't know. Uh, that's a that's a tough question to not a, not that I have trouble answering it from like a sources standpoint or anything like that. But just it's a tough question because if they knew the answer to it, they would have you know I'm sure tried to solve right. it and figure it out by now. Yeah, because in we we have conversation a lot. It's like, is this a K thing? Is this a is this a Gundy thing? You know, where's the disconnect? Is I just you know, my dad put my dad coached, my dad played college football, and I just have this hard, you know. Usually, if I have a question, I'll I'll call him and ask him like, hey, is this how is this done? And it just seems bizarre to me that a that a coach would be able to tell a you know, like you said, it's not probably not the first time someone's been told something in recruiting that didn't end up working out. But it would be hard for me to understand that Casey Dunn would tell, especially one of the Presleys, <laughs> that just given their relationship and, and family ties and everything, that he would be able to do something more and then he also make the executive decision that it didn't. Because, I mean, you know, I kind of said it all year. It looked like Ollie Gordon probably should have been a starter all year. And I was confused why he wasn't. It probably should have been like a him and Nixon one-two punch. And for some reason, that didn't happen. I I don't know. It, it that that whole situation to me is just very odd. Where it's like, why would why would Casey Dunn say that? You know that 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 just kind of boggled my mind. With especially with the quotes and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. As far as the running backs go, I. I think coming into the year, giving Dom the uh, the first shot at things was the right thing. That's right. generally what Gundy's done throughout his tenure is, hey, you're the guy who's been here. Um, and it's not really that Dom played bad. He, you know, he fell forward a lot of the times. There just weren't a ton of holes for him to get through. Um, and with the style of offense, or like with the that play style, with, you know, a porous offensive line in, in terms of run blocking, that just didn't really match up with Dom's, hey, I'm going to try and run through you because he's going to have to you know, run through three guys before he gets back to the line of scrimmage. So, um, yeah, I think it just kind of didn't work out. Um, and, and then now I think, you know, Ollie Gordon, you know, Jaden Nixon, those guys are kind of ascending. And I, I think Dom kind of sees that. Um, that's probably why he hopped in the portal. Yeah. With, with the uh, with, with article you wrote, I think, a day ago on, on the guys that, you know, we've offered – Right. And then, the, you know, to, to bring guys in. Right. You know, we can talk forever about guys leaving, but I will have a question about that more in a second. But 
with the guys that we offered uh, coming in, um, the five skill position guys, but including offensive linemen here, I know there's two Tulsa defenders, one who you said earlier, right, who's coming over, who actually played against us, and I think has an interception on Spencer Sanders before. Not And a, and a touchdown. Not throwing him yeah. Pick six. Not throwing him under the bus, but you know what? He's He's been on Oakland State turf before and had a pick six. So it, thumbs up my book, at least, because we won that game, and um, he's already had experience at Oakland State. So that being said here, there's also two Ivy Leaguers, but then there's five guys on the offensive side of the ball, uh, one offensive lineman, three receivers, and a running back. What? Um, you wrote a great article, broke it down here a little bit, but I'm just kind of asking you for your summary. Which which of these guys here are you kind of like, hey, you know what, Like that's more intriguing or more exciting than, than, the, than the other guys here? Yeah, so just kind of based off offers alone, I think that's a good way to go for it, is, um, is Dre McCray, which A, elite name. He's out of Austin P. Um, he's a slot receiver. He's five, not he's there. It looks like they're hopeful replacement for Brennan or for Braylon, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a thousand yards this, receiving this year, nine touchdowns. Um, they used him in the backfield a little bit. Um, he's already got a handful of, of pretty decent offers though. So that's not like a, a lock of any sort. Um, but them going after him pretty early kind of says a lot. Um, Savion Washington, he's an offensive lineman out of uh, Kent state. Um, he's six foot eight listed at six foot eight, three forty two. Um, and he just tweeted out not too long ago um, that he's going to be on an official visit um, in Stillwater this weekend. Um, so if you're a Oklahoma State fan, you hope that they could just lock that down because they need all the offensive line bodies that they could get. Um, the, yeah. the Ray Davis, um, he, a running back out of Vanderbilt, he was the 10th 1,000-yard uh, rusher in Vanderbilt's history. Um, it it kind of didn't make sense uh, that they were offering a running back, but I think they offered him maybe before Dom had officially entered the portal. Um, and, and then you're like, wait, but they still have Ollie and CJ Brown and now CJ Brown's not on the team. So that, that kind of has started to make sense a little bit now why they feel they need another body. But yeah, a lot of receivers, um, they, they just now offered, um, as we're recording this, um, a Colorado state tight end transfer. He's got like 150 yards in the year. Nothing too crazy. Haven't really honestly had a chance to break down anything on, on that side yet, but I, I, I don't think know the, if there's much to look at with Colorado state. Yeah. Yeah. That, that as well. <laughs> uh, but I, I think the one that would be the most fun to watch anyway is probably uh, Dre McCray um, out of Austin P. And that you know Austin P. doesn't sound like a very fun thing, but he, he's a thousand yard receiver, um, had some punt return duties. So I, I think that would probably be the most um, exciting of that group, anyways. Nice, yeah. It seems like we're we're going out of the skill position, guys. You know, you I mean those guys kind of come and go, right? One more playing time on the Oklahoma State roster, just like wrestling one more playing time maybe you know we're trying to bring in guys who will also want more playing time as well too but you know have a better opportunity to see that at the power five school um kind of going back to the other side though of stuff changing or, or maybe guys leaving on their own terms or not do you see anything changing with the coaching staff you just had to guess kind of like just just overall i mean I, i'm talking like strength and conditioning probably not but who knows um you know all, all throughout because i know there's quite a few of the osu fan base who are at least on the twitter sphere Going into, hey, with Casey Dunn, got to go, or, you know, Charlie Dickey, got to go, or, you know what, or maybe Derek Mason leaves on his own terms to go, you know, head coaching rumors somewhere else, or wherever it may be, or there are the select few, including, I think, the other guy who records podcasts with me most of the time here, and Jake, saying, hey, Gundy could leave, and that'd be great, you know, so is there is there anything you see happening with the offensive, defensive, or the whole coaching staff? Yeah, so it's that's it, it's crazy because in the the current time we're in the portal era, mm-hmm. um, the uh, it makes more sense to just do it now. Just hey, we're just gonna cut this head off and we're gonna start anew. 
Um, but that's, again, not really the way Gundy does things. It, it seems like he at least wants continuity through the bowl game, through signing day maybe. Um, I would say that I would be surprised, given the way the offense has gone uh, the past few years, if there's not some sort of change. I don't like calling for people's jobs. It's tough. No. It's a tough business, things like that. But um, I think you look at a guy like Charlie Dickey, who's been here for five years now, I believe, and the offensive line really hasn't gotten any significant steps better. Obviously, they've been crazy injured um, for the past – since 2020, at least, anyways, that that year that they had two guys go out in the first series, um, so that's obviously not been a help to him. Uh, but I just don't know how you can kind of continue the trajectory on the offensive line and kind of figure that everything's going to be okay. Um, outside of that, I have no idea. I thought it was interesting. Scott Wright from the Oklahoma wrote an article about how Derek Mason's contract was once thought to be two years. It's actually just one. So come January 1st, that's up. Um, so. Are they going to move on from him? Is he going to move on from most Is it going to be kind of a mutual split? I think that'll kind of be interesting. Um, I don't know really where they would go outside of that. Um, and at one point I thought, hey, maybe it's like best to just keep Derek Mason. Uh, and it's not that they did poorly this year. Obviously, it wasn't going to be what last season was just because you lost so many guys. You lost Malcolm Rodriguez. You lost Colby Um, But I, I think this year was okay. And then I kind of think you need that stability moving forward. So if they can keep Derek Mason, um, I think that's good that you're not changing D coordinators three years um, running. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, if I had to pick anywhere, I'd say somewhere on the offense, particularly kind of looking at the offensive line and how that's kind of regressed over the, the recent years. I do think it's interesting with Dickie, just just because he, he joins the coaching staff in 2019, I think, um, maybe even 2018. But previously, he was at K-State for like 10 years. You know, and in K-State, known as having pretty good offensive lines, I'd say, year in, year out. So just either bad injury luck with every single offensive line he's had since then, or just not not the great uh, greatest offensive line coach with what we have in the building at least right like like you said like not calling for anyone's job or anything like that but at the same point like it is what it is I mean we're able to see like how our offensive line just wasn't able to keep Spencer Sanders upright I mean at the end of the year he usually got injured more or less um it seemed like later on every single year so you know good and bad on that just the guy's much more of a running quarterback than Mason Rudolph ever was and Taylor Cornelius was kind of the bridge in between there but Cornelius was was a Bulldog and could run over guys. Sanders is not not that big of a dude, even though he is still six was still six three. Um, with with the rest of kind of like how the transfer portal works and everything, how how late can a guy decide? Hey, I want to enter the portal before it's just like out of the question. Like teams wouldn't take him, right? Like I think they can decide to transfer kind of almost into like you know into the fall semester next year, but. There's a cutoff date, and I understand like coaches, especially Gundy, wouldn't want to take a guy too far in, kind of hard set in his ways. But is there, from your standpoint, the portal is is there kind of like a hey, you know what? Like if we hear about a guy transferring out at this date, something crazy would have had to happen, or you know what, all the transfer world stuff will kind of be here for like this kind of month of the the bowl game kind of windows that we have as well. Yeah, so I believe the the rule now is that it's in windows. Uh, I just pulled mm-hmm. something up. Um, so this first period is a 45 day window, uh, that starts after championship selections. Um, and then the second window starts on May 1st through 15th when kids can enter the portal. So they obviously did that to, you know, stop kids from transferring in the middle of the year after, you know, that I didn't play the first week. So I'm going in the portal. Uh, but then I, I don't know that they, you know, the NCAA has been very reactive on a lot of this, not knowing really what the heck they're doing. Uh, so I don't know that they expected oh hey we'll just put it on this day you can't transfer to this day and now 
you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred kids or whatever it is, um, are in the portal. So um, they've they've been really reactive on the stuff. Obviously, the NCAA's um, not had the best run over the last ten to twenty five years. Um, but I, yeah, so th- it, it's cut into windows now. This one lasts forty five days, and and then in May it'll come back around and, and open up. So maybe after spring practices we'll go through all of this bull crap again. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I will say the NCAA is not gaining any new fans from Oklahoma state fans, at least, you know, um, if anything, they're only encouraging the more, uh, you really, you really want to do ideas. this today? You want to do this? Today? <laughs> well, I mean, just, just, I, I'm just, you know, I mean, as much as we talk about the NCAA, like there's, there's stuff they could always do better. Of course, uh, something yeah. ever can do better, but at the same point, they're not making any new fans from Oklahoma state fandoms, at least. Um, with with the bowl game, guaranteed rate bowl, uh in, in Phoenix, we get to play in a baseball stadium, uh, which is great or bad, who knows? Is is this is this gonna be a fun bowl game? I mean, Wisconsin quarterback transferred, I know too. Um, is there anything like you're looking to see kinda out of the bowl game from how either like Ollie Gordon or you know, Ringel or anything else that you're looking forward to seeing in the bowl game here? Well, A, the media hotel. Um, because oh, it's the okay. same one we stayed in last year is outstanding. Um, it's the JW Marriott and I believe it's technically called paradise Valley. It's in Scottsdale. Um, so all of the media is looking very much forward to getting to the camelback. Um, so that a is what I'm looking most forward to. Um, and, and then B, it's always you, good. yeah. Yeah. And then B, you mentioned it, Garrett Rangel, if he's going to be the future, you know, what does this look like? Um, obviously the offensive line in front of him has to, has to play somewhat well. Um, on the other side of things, things aren't really that much better at Wisconsin right now. They brought in Luke Fickle, who said he's going to coach the bowl game, which is just like, how do you know the plays? Like, how you just got there? I don't know. So Luke Fickle's Bizarre. coaching the bowl game. Yeah. Um, their quarterback entered the portal as Luke Fickle was doing his guaranteed rate bowl press conference, which is rough timing for him. Um, they've got a defensive coordinator who was their interim coach, um, who the fan base apparently really loves. He was a Wisconsin guy. Um, he's just announced that he's not going to continue past the guaranteed rate bowl. So there's a lot of storylines going into it. I don't know that many are necessarily positive, uh, but you know, looking at Garrett Rangel, looking at, you know, Kendall Daniels and Colin Oliver, who both said that they're coming back. I, I think that's exciting. Um, you know, maybe I, I don't know if Jason Taylor's going to play yet or not. That, that's just not been announced in, in today's age. You kind of have to announce those things. Uh, but seeing him make plays, you know, one last time would be pretty cool. Um, and then, yeah, then you're really just looking at Ollie Gordon and, and Garrett Rangel and kind of looking at what you have in the future um, and, and kind of determining if you need to go out and get a portal quarterback or, or whatever. Yeah, the the Wisconsin D.C., I saw that today and I was like, wait, what? Why would Luke Fickle not bring him back? He's like, he's been one of the best defensive coordinators probably since he got there. Like, Wisconsin's always good on defense, but like, Graham Mertz isn't exactly out there spinning it. So, you know, that that's more so their issue. Um, yeah, I think, it, I think it came down to, I think the Cincinnati DC um, was maybe in line for the Cincinnati head coach job. Um, and it was like waiting to see if they got it or not. And if he got it, then they were going to keep uh, that, that defensive coordinator on. I mean, he ended up not getting it. So then Fickle said, okay, like then come on over here. And then that guy was kind of left out in the, out in the rain. Interesting. Um, so I, Speaking of future, I have, you know, is it just me or does it seem like we have like a decent little log jam at wide receiver right now? Because I feel like there were some guys that we just didn't really get to see play. And this is kind of like a twofold thing, but there was a statistic posted um, 
that we touched on a couple weeks ago about how our yards per attempt and yards per play and yards per game has actually all decreased over the last like eight years. Um, and they're, they're not really related, but they're kind of related because I feel like the, the receivers that we get to see kind of goes down and down and down every year. Whereas in the past, we've just had like five or six guys where it's like, Oh, he's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. Didn't see the Shelton brothers this year. Um, I know the greens were hurt and then we offer a tight end. We don't use tight ends. So I don't know what, what kind of, what what do you, unless they're turning into, into a right tackle, like what, what do you kind of make of the way that our offense is going? And, you know, this is even before Casey Dunn thing, because we know he can coach receivers, but I feel like we have a lot on the roster and there's just not a lot of direction with the offense right now. Yeah. I think that, you know, the receivers kind of maybe had a bad rep this year, a because offensive line wasn't blocking. So quarterback weren't throwing particularly well. And they be, they're yeah. still pretty young. It's hard. It's easy to forget that, you know, Bryson green, only a true sophomore, John Paul Richardson, who made a lot of, you know, amazing catches here, only a true sophomore. You've got Brendan, who's going to enter a senior year. Um, and, and then you've got Stefan Johnson who had some drops this year, but Casey Dunn's been really high on him since fall camp. Um, true freshman, Chetron, true freshman, who um, got in a little bit. Um, he's, I think he's supposed to play a little bit more towards the end of the year. Um, I think he might have got concussed on that play across the middle. I forgot which team it even was. Maybe, maybe it's Iowa State. Um, so I think that Talon was supposed to play a little bit more towards the end of the year, but, but you got him. Um, they're bringing in a couple guys that at this point you just say, hey, Casey Dunn's probably, you know, maybe not the highest star rated guys, but you're saying, hey, Casey Dunn knows what he's doing. As far as yeah, recruiting, I take receivers. his word for it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that that'll be fine. So I think, I think that it's a it's a young group that's growing. Um, it, it, they didn't have Blaine Green at all this year, who's supposed to be, you know, that jumbo wide receiver slash cowboy back um, that they actually did use in the passing game some last towards the end of last year, anyways. Whenever they moved him over, um, so I, I wonder how much like of the offense just kind of got thrown out the window whenever he, I believe, he broke his wrist like a week before the season started. Um, so. At that point, I think it just comes down to those guys are still kind of young. I thought Bryson Green did a lot of good things this year. His body, physically, he's he's pretty ridiculous right now. Um, and they got Brennan and, and John Paul on the slots. Um, and then they'll figure out that other you know side of the field, whether it be Talon Chetron, whether it be Stephon Johnson, if he can you know catch some of those balls a little bit. Um, but I, I think they're going to end up being fine just because you know say what you will about Casey Dunn, the offensive coordinator, Casey Dunn, the wide receivers coach, he'll he'll get it done. Yeah, I'm I'm not upset about the logjam. I mean, because mm-hmm. I know I just I you know, we were think we were talking about offering those receivers and I was like, dang, we got a lot of guys that all seem like they're really, really good, which is never a bad thing, but at some point people are gonna get upset if they're not playing or, you know, fans are gonna start asking like what how many years did it take for us to ask where's Tay Martin? <laughs> did it, like wasn't he on our roster for a little bit and we're like, Wait, where is this guy? Why haven't we seen him play? And then feel like the one year we get to see him play, he does really well. So, um, yeah, and then just the offense just seems like we're on a decline. We we kind of had, and this wasn't really applicable to anything, any, you know, one particular person or game or anything. When did we start to go away, and or why, if you know the answer, away from the air raid? Yeah, I think it just comes down to it being a kind of cyclical – thing in that you know it, it starts with Iowa State adjusting defensively um, kind of going that 3-3 getting an extra DB on the field 
Um, stupid three, three, five. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where it starts. And then that, you know, theoretically opens up more in the middle in the run game. Um, you see that with Chuba Hubbard's big year. Obviously Jalen Warren had a a lot of success last year. Um, so then at at some point it's going to come back around where to counter, you know, good run games, which OSU does not have right now. So they won't be countering Oklahoma state anytime soon, but they'll probably put another lineman down and that'll open things up again. So I think it's just more so like on some aspects, Oklahoma state has just been poor. Um, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, they haven't blocked very well, which has led to myriad issues like interceptions because Spencer's, you know, getting tackled as he's throwing like lack of running game and Oklahoma state, you know, Ollie Gordon having the best rushing performance of anybody on OSU's roster and it coming in the last game of the season, you know, all those things. Um, so, so I think it's kind of a amalgamation of things starts with the offensive line. Uh, but also I, I think, you know, OSU's trying to run the ball more, uh, because teams are kind of adjusting, um, in the big 12 defensively to what they've seen, you know, back in the early 2010s. Yeah. When when it comes down to it, I I think we're a good team. Um, I think we're a good organization um, or or college, whatever you want to say, right? Like as, as a football school. But the aspirations for me, as far as like, oh, we could run the Big Twelve, you know, with the, with the new four coming in, with the two leaving, um, getting back to the Big Twelve, seeing UCF, Houston, BYU, and Cincinnati coming in. Luke Fickle leaving makes me feel a little bit better, but this year definitely put a little bit of a damper on things as far as like how the whole season went just from a, I mean, more or less from a culture perspective, like Spencer leaving, he could have decided, I mean, at one point he was on a Heisman trophy, dark horse, you know, campaign, right. Then he's definitely leaving for the NFL at the end of this year in the year. It didn't look like that. And so now we're all kind of, I mean, we'd all rather him stay versus not, of course, but understand why he's leaving. How much of a chance do you think there is that like we can really compete, um, for, for big time bowls and stuff like that in this new NIL world that let's be honest, we're not the best NIL school ever, right? Like we, we may get there. We could get there in a year from now. I understand the folks with a purpose website crashed the other day because so many people were on it and whether they were donating or just on the website period, who knows, but what what's your idea at least on how Oklahoma state can compete in this kind of new NIL world? Yeah, I think that's kind of a – it's a fork in the road moment for a lot of schools, but particularly Oklahoma State in – A, as you mentioned, Oklahoma State might not have the biggest NIL pool to draw from. And then B, how much does Gundy want to dabble in the NIL world? It's another, you know, For the most part, every curveball that's been thrown at him over the past 18 years, he's figured it out. Um, so you'd like to think that – you know, he, he's obviously a little bit late on this already, but you'd like to think that eventually he's going to say, okay, like – We'll adjust. Here's how this will work. Um, and then Oklahoma State will figure it out. Um, but if he doesn't want to adjust and if he just says, hey, that's not how we're going to do things, we're not going to do NIL stuff. And maybe they maybe they find a way with bringing in guys from Austin P who just want a shot at Power 5 football or FBS football. So maybe that's a, a way in. But for a guy who you know admittedly doesn't like the transfer portal, um, the NIL stuff seems a little bit foreign to him as it is to everybody right now. Um, I, I think it's kind of a big fork in the road moment. But like I said, Gundy has figured out a lot of things over his tenure. Um, he's seen a lot of change. Um, while he might not always be the most um, welcoming to change, he finds a way to, to adjust. Um, so, you know, I think that, you know, it's crazy last year and thinking the, the We Got a Logo 2 thing, um, that, that was just, you know, 11 months ago at this point. Uh, it, that seems like it was, you know, eons ago. 
so I, I think it's a really big fork in the road moment in in what he said on January 1st after that Fiesta Bowl win. Um, it, it sure doesn't feel the same now that they're just ready to to run into this new Big 12 with the you know 12 team playoff, and, and they're going to get in like five years out of you know eight or something like that. That that just doesn't feel as realistic as it did you know last January. It is crazy what a difference a year can make, you know, and, and mm-hmm. to your point, you have 11 months, right? Like it's just this, this team was, okay, we should be coming back as a big 12 contender and just did not work out for us at all. Really from, from that though, I mean, the, the first loss against TCU is annoying, but it's a double overtime loss in their place that on, you know, not even a neutral field and it's by three points with Sanders looking injured to end the game. The second loss, though, is the one that kind of starts a cycle and starts at least a mental idea for me of what what's going on here. Maybe there's something more that I just don't understand as just a fan. Um, from the K-State game and from how the rest of the games you know, later on the season went, where that average point total, as you brought before, was something under 15 points a game. Is there, is there something that you think happened during the season? Is it Sanders just really getting injured? Is there is there more to it than, than meets the eye? I think a lot of it is Sanders' injury, but he played most of that forty-eight to nothing loss to K State. Yeah. K State obviously they won the Big Twelve, right? Um, and in certain times, K State has just done that to people. K State has just said, "Hey, we're clicking on, and it's over for whoever playing." But also, K State could lose to Tulane every once in a while. K State was a, an anomaly this year, so you wonder. You know, Gundy said after the game, like, "Hey, we played the worst that we could have possibly played," and I told Kleiman at the end of the game that they probably played the best that they could have possibly played. And so I think there is some truth to that. Obviously, um, the rumors of Spencer Sanders' health started coming like the Thursday before the TCU game. Um, obviously, plays the TCU game, but then it's just kind of like a week by week thing. Of uh, I'm so overriding injury reports. The the radio broadcast starts two hours before the game. I'm so over listening to those to to find out if Spencer Sanders is playing or not. Um, so so that's just been like an ongoing thing. Um, the offensive line has just been injured and injured and more injured, and you know no, nothing seems to be working. So I, I really just think that the wheels just kind of fell off. I don't know that it's any – I don't know that Casey Dunn just had some blow-up moment where he just said, hey, I'm not going to call what's working anymore. Like, I, I think it really just turned into the injuries and, and all that kind of just kind of caught up to them. Yeah, well, and especially with that Casey Dunn quote that he had that – where he was like – where someone asked him, like, what happened? And he's like, I genuinely have no idea. Yeah. And honestly, it looked like that. It looked like he had no idea where – at some point, you know, again, I'm a Casey Dunn defender. If he is calling plays, I'm not going to say he's doing the greatest job, but I think he's a really important part of the staff for what he does bring, with especially with their wide receivers. But, I mean, there were times where it's like, okay, if you can't run the ball, not good. But then if you also can't throw the ball, also not good. And at some point, like, I – Coaching can't overcome everything, right? Like you said earlier, I'm not going to sit here and call for people's heads. Coaching can't, you know, Casey Dunn's not going to be able to overcome playing with five third-string offensive linemen, your backup quarterback, and, like, no running game. You know, like, you can't you can't really overcome that. So, do like, do you think this year, like, if you just had to boil down this year, would it just be boiled down to like, hey, we were really injured? I, I think that that is the most it, – it's obviously multiple things. But I think that is the biggest um, among it, the things. And that's what Gundy will tell you too, which 
you know, obviously he's kind of obligated to tell you that he's not going to just come out and blast Casey Dunn or blast Charlie Dickey or anything like that. Uh, but among all of the things that's kind of gone wrong for Oklahoma State this year, I think health, you know, is the, the biggest thing. And you mentioned if you can't run the ball, then at least be able to pass the ball. And it's all kind of comes into one. I forget which game it was because they've all kind of blurred together at this point. It might, it was OU. It was definitely OU. The only time Spencer had time to throw was whenever um, OU rushed three. And then at that point, you've got eight guys in the defensive backfield just covering everybody so nobody's open. So yeah. um, it, they were able to just – teams were able to make them one-dimensional um, because they knew that they weren't going to run. And if they did try to run, they were going to stop it. And then at that point, you're just able to drop back a bunch of coverage or just you know blitz like crazy um, at Spencer Sanders. So um, I think it's all kind of one and the same where if you get one thing working, then everything kind of starts to flow a little bit better. And, and OSU could not find that one thing. And I, like I said, it, I think it really started up front. Yeah, and you know there was I saw people complaining. They're like, "Well, why are we, why is Casey done running so many screens, and why are we doing this?" And I'm like, "We don't have a line. That's what you do <laughs> when you don't have an offensive line. You run screens. You run draws. Like you're, you know, throwing darts at a chalkboard, just sitting there like chucking stuff. You're like, ah, maybe this will stick. Maybe this will stick. Maybe this will stick. None of it stuck. And I don't again, don't know how much we can blame Dunn for that. Don't know how much we can." Blame Dickey, you know, I, I think it this year probably just boils down to injuries. I'm kind of conceding on that point. Um, a point that Calvin and I have hit on a lot recently is the word transparency. I don't feel like there is a lot, I guess we, Calvin and I both, we don't feel like there's a lot of transparency within the football program right now. From a multitude of things. You brought up the injuries where it's like, huh, I have to sit here and listen to. Everyone knew Spencer Sanders wasn't healthy just based off the way he was playing. Right. And, you know, Gundy said, well, the decision was up to him. And I'm like, well, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be up to him. Like, he's, no offense, he's 22, 23. You know how many terrible decisions I made five years ago? You know, like, there, there are people that, are, are know more about his health than, than he does because they're doctors. So, you know, that's a long way to say transparency, but you know, there, this big factor of transparency with, with the football program. And I think probably with Gundy, especially, do you feel like it is less than when we were students? Cause I feel like we got kind of like the fun loving side of Gundy. And now it's like, it, it almost just seems like you guys are being, limited but then whenever stuff does get act asked it's deflect deflect we're, we're i feel like we're not always getting real answers i don't know yeah i think You're that's in the been, room more than we are so yeah i think that's been the been how it's been for a really long time um obviously whenever things are going well he's a little bit more open to just pretty much everything um you know you think back to last year when they're going to the festival everything's kind of sunshine and rainbows um, going into this year, whenever he was pretty sure that they had a good team, and they did at the beginning of the year, um, he was you know pretty open and things like that. Um, I, I think it's just kind of you know a lot of coaches. We talk about injuries um, and coaches not liking to disclose things. And at least at one point uh, this year, Gundy said that like it's a you know it's a competitive advantage deal, and it's like all right, that's at least the truth. You know, like that's at least yeah your truth. Um, I, I prefer that more than oh like well, would you want me to tell? you know, a bunch of reporters, if you had a broken foot and it's like, well, I don't really think I'd care that much if I did have a broken foot and you told reporters <laughs> that, but you know, it's a competitive advantage deal until college football, if at all possible, turns into that style of the NFL where they have to report on who's practicing, who's not. 
um, then I can at least live with it. Um, as long as you're being like, as you're telling your truth, I guess, as long as you're being as honest as, as you want to be. Um, so yeah, there, I, I, I mean, I could see where it would, you know, make the fan base not happy with him not necessarily answering things straight. Uh, but at the same time, that's just kind of is how it is. And like, if it does anybody feel any better, if somebody says, Hey, Mike, what's wrong with the offense? And he says, Oh, injuries and, and, and kind of deflects everything. Does it make anybody feel any better? If he says, Oh, Hey, Casey Dunn sucked this year. Like <laughs> the, the offensive line is horrible. Well, does that make anybody feel any better? Be, I don't, I don't know. It might, make, it might make some people feel better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it might. But at the end of the day, like it doesn't really change anything, you know, if you, Do you if check just, your mentions. <laughs> yeah. I, sometimes more than others, but, uh, <laughs> So it doesn't really change a whole lot um, if he just goes up there and, and you know, reams Charlie Dickey. Um, yeah. Aside from Charlie Dickey's probably mad at him. And that's – I don't know that that's necessarily good for anybody. So um, I understand why it's frustrating. It's frustrating for me asking questions and, and getting stonewalled. But um, that, it just kind of is what it is. I'm not – I don't really take offense to it. Um, and then how much – how much did you hear from Casey Dunn this year? So we got him in fall camp – two or three times um and then they haven't made uh coordinators available midweek since the Yersich days i don't believe oh. maybe gleason days but but then we get them post game um okay. so we get the only time we get coordinators is, is post game has i guess in you know before what fall practice i guess summer practice um did he provide you know any direction on the offense or was it kind of just, oh, same old, same old? Because, I'm, you know, from an outside fan perspective who's not boots on the ground and all that kind of stuff, it, it seems like we're running very similar stuff to what we did with Juricic. Um Gleason had a 2,000-yard back, so I think that's a little different. <laughs> but, you know, it, it seems very similar to what Juricic ran with a couple of tweaks here and there, you know, as, as you get every different OC is – is, do you see an identity or were you given one? Because I, quite honestly, I didn't see an offensive identity this year. I didn't really know what they were doing. Like you said, it lacked consistency, lacked rhythm. Did, did, were you guys told anything before the season where that made you feel a little bit more confident about what was going on? Well, Gundy's just said the past couple of years, every time there's a OC opening, so from Yersish to Gleason, then from Gleason to, to Dunn, he's always just said, we're going to run Oklahoma State's offense. That it's not necessarily, that somebody's going to have to come in and learn what OSU is doing because it's worked for, for all this time. Um, and that, and then he said the same thing with, you know, Knowles and, and Mason. He said, Hey, I want to keep it as similar as possible. Obviously Mason's had some fingerprints, you know, on it, on certain things as has done, I'm sure um, as did Gleason, I'm sure. But it, 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 it's come down to, I think more so Gundy saying, Hey, we're running what we run because it's worked forever. And, and then he did admit um, after, maybe it's after the last game that, that there are a couple of things that they need to do differently going into next year, obviously um, scheme wise. Um, he said, there's not a whole, they don't have to change overhaul, like the whole thing. Uh, but there are one or two things that they need to implement to, to kind of adjust with the times. So um, I, I think that's more so maybe a Gundy thing in that he's comfortable running with what they've run because, and he's right. It has worked for a really long time. Uh, but yep. then, you know, I think it was the, I think it was before the, OSU Max stuff came out, but the, the My Time ESPN thing, um, he, he came over the mic and, and told Dunn, run the ball and throw it sideways. And that's what they've done for forever. Um, and and yep. that's what they'll, they'll continue to do. So uh, I, I think it's more so a Gundy thing as far as 
um, innovation it's on offense and, and that he's comfortable with what he's comfortable with. Um, but then, like he said, at the end of the, the season, maybe maybe some things will get changed or tweaked a little bit going into next year. So to use Calvin's term, with that being said, do you think that is, is Casey Dunn calling plays for Mike Gundy's playbook? Is that kind of how, because like, you know, Calvin and I have talked to a lot of people and we try and gather as much information from as many different places. And that's kind of how we've, you know, you know, the playbook isn't like you, it's, appears on Madden you're not like oh this is the selection you have but is that kind of the general idea or is it like a come together or agree agreement I you know what what kind of developments do you understand from that offensive perspective yeah I think it's I think it is the Gundy playbook essentially I think Dunn's probably obviously got a big hand in you know what they what they using in certain looks and and things like that throughout the week kind of prepping for it Um, but yeah even if Dunn had his whole own philosophy, it would have been, for the most part, marinating in the Gundy system. He's been there since 2012 or since 2011. Yeah. So uh, it wouldn't have skewed much from what Gundy's ideologies are anyways. But but yeah, I, like I said, like he said in the past, I think it's just, I think it, it is more so Oklahoma State's offense than any coordinator's offense. I always joke that if, if Dunn were calling his playbook, we'd throw the ball 80 times a game. Yeah, I think so. And Gundy's Gundy's always said that he wants to run the ball more. He said, you know, which is bizarre. Yeah, it is from coming from a former quarterback and things like that. But you know, now, he seems pretty comfortable with that. Well, he I was a former quarterback with two of the best running backs with, ever. With the best running you know, backs I mean, so, yeah. so that's, that's very that's true. What, that's what my dad, who went to college with Sanders and Thomas, that's what he would come back with. It's like right, Gundy. You know, Gundy learned from the best. Hey, maybe run the ball more. But Dunn did almost throw the ball. I mean. I mean, not 80 times, but, you know, Rangel's like for, true start in a rainy, cloudy day in Stillwater um, against West Virginia and their only Big 12 win of the season against us. Like, definitely left a, a sour taste, but I, I kind of want to ask you more about Rangel than anything else because I don't I don't see us getting a transfer, as, as it being said, right? Like, you, you've talked about there's the Nebraska kid who's coming in who, you know, Trevor Lawrence looks, but you know, style-wise, from his hair is. But is, is he legit? As far as you understand, as, as far as I understand, yes. Um, now, Would he obviously, be a higher recruit if he's not from Nebraska. Probably, almost definitely, yeah. And it, okay. it's been a big sticking point with Nebraska fans that they they were mad at Frost for not offering the kid uh, because he grew up a Cornhusker fan, didn't get a Nebraska offer. And everybody, like everybody in that kid's mentions all the time, are like so mad at Scott Frost for not offering him. Um, and, and then from what I've known, like since rules come in, rules tried to reopen that maybe, but um, uh, Zane, geez, Louise, so many names flying through my head. Yeah. Zane has, has <laughs> stayed committed to Oklahoma State, stayed uh, firm uh, with what he likes there. So I think that he's a dude, and I think he proved that this year with, with the Elite Eleven stuff. Um, so I, I think that he's going to be really good. Is he going to be really good in the fall? That's, you know, that's the big question is, can he, you know, step in or is this the Garrett Rangel show? Can Gunnar Gundy find his way back into some sort of rotation? Uh, it, that I think the quarterback, you know, the quarterback's obviously a, a very interesting topic regardless of, of year, but I think this year for Oklahoma State, um, especially whenever you have those ideologies of do they need a transfer or do they want to develop in-house? Um, I, I think that that'll be kind of the story of the offseason for OSU. Well, just asking more about. We'll ask you more about Ringo. I mean, 
from what we've seen this year, wasn't the best. But true freshman thrown in, you know, I mean, basically midway to the end of the season without a ton of, you know, practice time, that type of stuff to set him up for the offseason. There's only so much I can expect. What what do you kind of expect for next season, like, from him? Do you, do you think that, you know, we're going to see some more promise or, yeah, I mean, what's kind of your expectations with Rangel for next year? Yeah, Garrett, even in, in high school, he's known for his accuracy. And obviously he made some kind of boneheaded decisions in his starts this year, the, the three picks against Case or Kansas. Um, the first one in particular is a ball that he should have just thrown away. It was third down and he wanted to make a play, so he threw it right to a KU defender. But um, So I, I think as he settles in, the accuracy will be something that he leans on and OSU leans on with him. Um, he wasn't – coming out of high school, he wasn't really known as a runner. Uh, but he's shown a couple of little bursts here and there that, yeah. that have looked pretty good. Um, but he also just kind of looks like a freshman right now. He looks skinny. He looks small. Kind of like brought that up. Yeah. He just kind of looks young and like a freshman. So I'm interested to see what, what Rob Glass can do with him over this offseason. Um, and, you know, Gundy got asked after the, the last game if he's seen enough from Garrett to if he has to, like, take this thing over next year or can he. And Gundy said something in a sense that, yeah, he's going to be a good quarterback here. He kept it pretty short, but. Um, he, they, they seem to have pretty good confidence in him. So, um, it, it's obviously hard to call. Um, he, he hasn't just like absolutely blown the doors off. It wasn't like whenever Mason Rudolph came in those last two <laughs> games of the 2014 season and kind of like right. turned that whole season around, turned the whole perception of, of OSU football around. Uh, but I don't necessarily think it's been horrible. It, it's hard to judge a, your first start against Kansas where he throws all those picks, but does throw for 300 yards. And then be his second start in a torrential downpour where it's like he had to throw the ball 47 times or whatever. And it's like, why are you making a freshman do that in the rain? Oh, it's because you don't have a run game. But uh, yeah. so I, I think it's all been kind of hard to judge so far, which is why I'm, I'm hoping anyways that, that he's kind of the guy um, out in Phoenix and, and maybe we'll get a better understanding for, for what he can do. Is so is Ray yeah, kind with... of the t- is Rangel the type of guy that could run like an RPO style of offense? I think I think so. Like, like I said, I wasn't expecting him to be as agile a runner as you know. He took off sometimes, and I was like, "Oh, that actually didn't look painful." Um, but you know, his offense at uh, Frisco Lone Star was pretty prolific. Um, they had Marvin Mims, um, Garrett's junior year, I believe. That helps. Um, yeah, obviously went to Oklahoma, and then he's handing it off to Jaden Nixon whenever he's not throwing it to Marvin Mims. Um, also so, helps. Yeah, so they had some really good guys there, but, but he was able to kind of facilitate that offense and play really well. So um, I, I think that a lot of the tools are there for him to be really good. It, it's just going to come down to development and kind of what, what he can do. Yeah. The, the thing with Rangel, it's gotten me so far is that see him in person twice. Um, and definitely a West Virginia game is basically his size. I mean, for comparative purposes, I think, Think, yeah, I mean, you guys both see me in person, of course, so you know, he's the same height as me, but he weighs 40 pounds less than I do when he's getting playing college football. Like, it, there's just, I don't think I'm a big dude. So to see him, like, actually get tackled and thrown to the ground, I just worry about that with how our offensive line is year over year, just not been terrific uh, protecting the quarterback. And I'm curious to see how he'll do next year with basically just, he weighs 185 right now. So he's he's not a small guy, but he's, I mean, not, definitely not, you know, definitely not a big dude. I mean, Sanders weighs, I think, 40 pounds more than him or close to it um, and is like an inch taller. So just kind of comparative purposes there as well. But he, he is a true freshman. And, and 
it's good to hear you say that he looks like a freshman because to me that's what he looks like. So it makes me feel a little better in in that comparative stance too. Yeah, I definitely think the body bug last thing has to to kind of take over with him. But but just looking at him down there, you can tell that like him and Spencer are not the same. Like they're not they're not built the same. That that he's a little skinny. Um, and that was like a big knock on him coming in last spring. Uh, was that he's skinny? I do think he's you know grown a little bit, gotten a little bit stronger, but. Uh, that's obviously a part of his game. He needs to continue to develop to take some hits. Yeah, well, uh, last last couple questions here as we run out this episode. Um, how do you think we'll do next season? If you're just gauging, like, hey, from from who's on the roster, you know, kind of how the transfer portal you know, kind of shakes out, how do you think we'll do next year? I mean, possible, what, 20th bowl game in a row? I forget what number we're at now. But, you know, kind of how do you think we'll be next year? I I think that right now, obviously, they've got the transfer portal to try and bring in a couple of more guys. They're they're obviously going to need that. Um, just because it's Mike Gundy, I'm going to say that they're going to find a way to make a bowl game. Um, but I'm not as confident going into next year as I was going into this year um, for obvious reasons. So I'd probably say seven and five somewhere where in that area. I think it's going to be another kind of tight one where a few fans are going to be very frustrated. Um, but hopefully, there's some at least some promise uh, with kind of some of those young guys. Will will you be more confident if Derek Mason returns? Um, yeah. And is that what you're basing your decision off of now? No, I think my decision really comes off of quarterback play and, and offensive line play. Um, I, I don't know. Like I said, I think it's good for Derek Mason to return just because I don't think that they need that turnover again um, for, for back-to-back years. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know how much of a difference it'll really make. You're going to get Colin Oliver back. You're going to get Kendall Daniels back, assuming they don't go back on their you know, decisions to, to return. Um, so I think that they'll be in as good a spot as they can be. I, I think that Justin Wright kid um, out of Tulsa is going to end up being pretty good. So I, I think they'll be fine. Um, it's not going to be 2021 levels of defense, but but I think they will be you know fine back there. Um, but it's really going to come down to offensive line play. Can they bring in some offensive linemen? Do they make a coaching change on the offensive line? And then obviously quarterback is is going to be a huge deal. Well, as, as always, it's always awesome having you on. Um, yeah. I would have loved to ask you, you know, 7,000 basketball questions, but all I can say right now is, you know, great, great win against Sam Houston last night, right? Um, yeah. We're yeah. seeing, we're seeing an away team wear orange though in Galgariba. Yeah. A lot of uh, the, the media folk I was up there with last night were somewhat complaining about that. They said, well, this is just like, and how do I know which team? And I was like, you guys are a bunch of olds up here. But uh, I, I thought, you know, that, that's obviously a good win. Sam Houston doesn't feel like a, a big win. Um, but they came in ranked seventh in the net, which I can't explain the net to anybody, but it's what they use to determine NCAA tournament teams. Uh, so they got a quad one win. They have a chance to get another on Sunday um, in Brooklyn against Virginia Tech. So that'll be that'll be a good game. I think that the basketball team slowly kind of turning things around. Obviously, you don't want to lose to Southern Illinois, but I think they're going to be pretty good. Um, you don't want to lose to UCF. I don't know if they're going to be pretty good, but that was on a you know slippery court in the Bahamas. Yeah, that looked um, weird. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, even the, the road loss to UConn, that's, that's a good loss. UConn's really freaking good. I think UConn's got a shot at it this year. Um, and, and I think Is that they've kind of, still undefeated? Um, I don't know. I know that they have an Oklahoma kid on their roster who's averaging like 16 a game. So that's a uh, – They also – they just beat the hell out of – was it North Carolina, right? Yeah, a couple of teams have done that this year. North Carolina's been a bit of thin well, ice. Not looks great. Uh, Virginia Tech. Hey, I'm trying to pump us up a little bit. Trying to pump us up. No, I, I like it. I like it. Virginia Tech's game one, though. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. They're, they're another team. They're like slightly ahead of OSU in the net. OSU made a pretty big jump in the net after uh, last night's win. 
um, and Virginia Tech slightly ahead of them. So that'll be that's another you know tournament resume kind of building game that that if they can go up to to Brooklyn and find a way to win that, that'll be pretty big. Obviously, heading into to Big Twelve play. And hey, we know one thing about Brooklyn. It's where Boynton's from. You know? Yeah. So uh, and they're playing there. They just came out today. They're playing him again next. They're playing there again next year in some tournament. So they'll make another trip. Can they, cool. Um, can, they, you know? can they play in San Diego? So I can actually go to a game. I I want them to play in the Bahamas, not the weekend of Bedlam, so I can maybe use that as a tax write off. Are you going there this you go. weekend? Hey. No, I'm not going out to Brooklyn this weekend. I, that's a it, no. I wish, but I also don't wish because it's been a crazy week. But uh, no, I, I won't follow them around until they're in Big Twelve play. What I would assume you just you take would... your wife to the Rockefeller Tree and all's good, yeah. right? Yeah, something like that. No, I'd, also, I'd also assume <laughs> you'd rather than play in Brooklyn, like I don't know, in October or you know March or something, right? Just not 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 in December. You know, at yeah. the end of the day, like Rockefeller Tree would be cool, but um, for my time living in Detroit, I know Oklahoma versus um, Detroit winters are, are much different. So. Um, as you can say, but well, um, here's to hopefully an Oklahoma state team of some type traveling out West. Um, and I'm talking Southwest, just BYU is just still a 10 hour drive from Los Angeles. So it's still not that close, but that being said, I'll, I'll for sure come back and see a game here, um, in Stillwater, um, this year. So Marshall, uh, hopefully see you then, but until then, uh, thanks so much for joining here on the latest episode of the CJ tour podcast, Jake, thanks so much for, of course, joining me here. Ghost as well. Please follow at Marshall Scott on Twitter and uh, at Pistols Firing, right? Uh, at Pistols yeah. Guys, I think. Pistols Guys, okay. I should know that more than pistols. I do. Yeah, Pistols Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> Pistols Guys on Twitter. Yeah, for sure. But check out PistolsFiring.com. Uh, see some articles from Marshall regarding the transfer portal and.